Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, and this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today, I'm here with Nitty Gritty. What's up? So requested. Hey, I'm excited. I didn't know that. I watch your shit all the time. Oh, so no way. Thank I, I should have requested him. I was like me on 13 different emails, like, Nitty Gritty. Nitty Gritty. Yeah, you should get him. I got you. <laughs> so you're originally born in Pennsylvania? Yes, Newtown, Pennsylvania, suburbs. And are parents originally from Pennsylvania? Or? Yeah, they, they met in New York, but they were both actually born in Pennsylvania. And oh. then met in New York, came back to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they were missionaries your whole life? Or? Yeah. Like, are there are your grandparents also missionaries? Like, is it like a... No, like, the rest of my family's not... I don't mean this in a ba- bad way, but they're very good, normal, American, stable people, like, doctor, lawyer type of business. Really mm-hmm. amazing people. And then my parents, I think when I... Well, I was like six, we moved to Canada first to learn French and then to Haiti. Oh. So it was like the training to move to Haiti. Yeah. Was it and the first time your parents were living overseas? Uh, I think so. I mean, my mom had been to like Paris because she studied French in school. And then my dad, I'm sure they had traveled, but that was like their first like living. None of us had ever lived there. Yeah. I guess. That must have been so, like, you were how old, six? Yeah, so like two in 2000, yeah, I was born in 94, so yeah, six, six years old. Oh, we're the same age. <laughs> oh, what? When's your birthday? January 10. Hey, I'm, I'm May 10th, so oh. at least the day. Exactly, five, four months later, yeah. And, but you remember a lot about living in Haiti, right? Like, with, yeah, even I mean, with the music and everything. Most of my childhood, like, my best, my best, best friend that, him and his wife actually just got married. I was their best man oh, nice. this past December. And then, like, a lot of my really good friends are from Haiti. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, especially when you're growing up from 6 to, like, almost 18, those are, like, oh, pretty wow. influential years. So, yeah, I remember, honestly, like, a lot of my childhood being in that. Not just Haiti, but, like, also, like, missionary kid kind of vibe. I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like, like oh, homeschoolers are, like, this way. There's a same similar, like, stereotype for, like, missionary kids being, like, a certain way so it's like funny to like think about I don't know just having this like you grow up a certain way it's just most missionary kids are like this they go to a country they're culture shocked then they make friends then they're like come back to the US and they're like whoa what the heck yeah. like, what's McDonald's I didn't know that there is paved roads and stuff I don't mm-hmm. know I did some missions in Philippines so I can kind of really no 100% yeah. yeah you can you can learn it in a week you go somewhere like third world and you'll I don't know. It, uh, most people come back and they're like mind blown. So, were you helping your parents a lot with like outreach and? Or I'm not gonna lie. I when I was a kid, I didn't. I'm not gonna sit here and act like some perfect little missionary kid. That was always. I, I would obviously help my dad every now and again. But like when you're a kid, you're just like, no, I don't want. Like imagine your dad every day asking you to like do the dishes. It's the same thing when they're yeah. like, oh, come help us. You're like, no, I don't want to. I just want to go play soccer with the, like I'll play soccer with Haitian kids all day like I would mm-hmm. do that like the kids in my neighborhood like we would play soccer and stuff like fun stuff but um no I wasn't like every day going on mission trips also I was in school so I mainly like went to like Haitian Americanized school oh. which was like I'm if you're from Hong Kong and you went to school there it was like a westernized, westernized yeah, I went to version British of it. school yeah okay yeah so it was British like I don't know so like imagine it not being full 
on Haitian, but like yeah. were there a lot of Americans? Yeah, there's like it's basically like missionary kids like oh. like me, and then wealthier ha Haitians because it actually was a pretty good like my school like in Haiti was harder. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was private school. It was harder than um, what's it called? Like public school, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely harder than public school. Mm hmm. And then were your friends around you um, doing music as well, like back then? I had one friend. There's like almost no studios in Haiti. Yeah. But we did um, we did some crappy like I think it was like King. We both like Kings of Leon. Oh. And like, okay. You know, like Fall Out Boy and stuff like that. So we wanted to make like a rock. And there was like not many Haitian kids that actually liked rock. And I played drums at the time. So we like went to a studio and did a song. I actually remember it not being the worst thing I've ever done. I produced shittier stuff after that, like on my <laughs> computer. So that was that was like the only time I remember actually like making music. Other than that, I would just like play Slipknot in my room. Like I got a guitar. Yeah. And then I had drums in Haiti. And that's that's when I started like learning instruments. I guess I didn't really produce much. Mm-hmm. And wait, so was the re religion like still a big part of your life, or how influential is religion? Yeah, I mean, so I guess like since I started touring, it's been hard to go to church. Would rather just go to ch go to my church and just live that faith. It's not based off of any overly Americanized religion, I guess, because that's so easy to just be like, oh, you're just Christian, oh, you're just Catholic. Right before I left for a tour, like two years ago, I guess I was always like leading worship and stuff. It's been like impossible to like do that since I've been touring. So obviously, naturally, I haven't been going to church as much at all, which mm -hmm. sucks, but it's just true. Yeah. Um, Do you ever find it contradicting, like, all the, I guess, to, to, I feel like to a lot of Christians, or even, like, my parents, like, the partying aspect or, like, yeah, the music I mean, aspect? No, 100%, my parents, uh, and even, like, like, I still curse on the mic. It's just so hard not to, like, yeah. get excited and, like, yeah, what the fuck is all, like, and then you're, like, <laughs> you, you know, like, I'm, I'm admitting that for sure, but... It's like my pastor in, in Florida is like, he'll literally admit, he'll be like, he's like, I'll, 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 he'll preach and tell us like honest stories where he's like, I got in my car and I cursed at someone and I'm your pastor. The, I'm not perfect. You get me? Like it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And also there's also other moral things. Is it right or wrong? Does a word yeah. in that context mean the same thing? Blah, blah, blah. I'm not even going to get into it, but. Mm -hmm. um, you, your, are your parents really supportive? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's cool. I also don't, I, there's definitely a difference between getting sucked into it and having your own bubble of it and I've been pretty adamant about only having my people on my team mm. we're not I don't really do any drugs at all yeah I drink but it's you know I'm not trying to like have a problem or do any insane partying yeah. I guess I enjoy having fun partying with people but it's more about like yourself controlling it I guess mm -hmm. instead of it controlling you so mm -hmm. it's like and, and and not even just like drugs, it's even more sad to see people like unhappy in the industry. And like, I think that's even worse than just, because I know a lot of people that smoke or even do drugs that are not like, I don't see that as their biggest problem. I see like them being depressed or anxious, True. causing them to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like there's yeah. people that smoke and do drugs to enhance their experience. And there's people that do it to mask whatever yeah. was going on. So. I, I guess if you can tell the difference, you can way more easily navigate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then what was the turning point your parents decided to move back to the U.S.? I mean, they were getting... Not that my parents are old. My amazing young parents. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, Haiti takes a toll on you. Like, that, living in a, in a third world country is, like, 
it's just harder. So like, imagine you're, you know, about to reach like 60, 60 years old, I guess. They're, yeah. They were like 55, I think, when they moved back, something like that. Um, and then my grandparents obviously are getting mm. older, so they want to spend time with their family, have their a little bit of a simpler life, because it's like it re just stuff like electricity is hard to get, and yeah. even like normal American beauty supplies or sh your favorite shampoo might not always be there. So it's like I don't know, stuff like that just makes you want to be like, all right, I'm ready to go. And and they spent like almost 15 plus years there, so you know, there's no like shame and. Mm -hmm. and leaving after they did so much work. Yeah, and then they went back to Pennsylvania. Yep, yeah, that's mm -hmm. where they live. But I'm yeah. trying to get them down to Florida soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little warmer. Mm -hmm. And then once you are back to school in Pennsylvania, you got more into, like, the rock aspect, right? Like, instruments, band. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, after I pretty well, I think 11th grade, I left Haiti. And then in 12th grade, I went to pretty much Pennsylvania I moved around with a couple different like families just because my parents were still in Haiti mm. and during that time I started like actually like making like band rock like alternative rock stuff and were you like performing those bands like making original songs or was it mostly covers no yeah I, I, I think that was the first time I started writing my own music was just with a guitar and drums and then I downloaded like Mixcraft which is like iMovie like the crappiest yeah. version of an editing thing for music mm. those were pretty bad it was fun though. It's really fun to play drums, like in, in, a, in an actual band, like live. That's oh, so really... do you teach yourself? Drums, I pretty much did. I had like oh, one wow. teacher, who was good in, in my school that helped me like actually learn through like jazz band, and then that was like a little more technique, I guess. And then I just like played along to every like any rock or metal thing mm -hmm. that I could. At that point, did you realize that you would make music your career? Which point? I, I like mean, like when you were in the bands. Uh, I was still kind of like, eh. Like I didn't, I didn't really get to that until I started producing, and like not even when I was producing. It took me a while to actually be like, oh, I think I don't know. There was definitely a false sense of security. Like I thought I was good this one time when I got my first studio, and that we all like acted like we were gonna like make it because someone said that they were gonna be in an HBO show. Never got picked up. It was oh. a crappy show. It was in Miami, so everyone talks shit in Miami. It's literally like. It's, it's insane. That's how I learned a lot of business, is by getting the dumbest things told to me in Miami. But we were like, oh, we're going to make, because something, we like looked up, oh, a music editor on HBO makes 20 grand a week. And we were like, oh, we're about to make 20 grand a week. And I was like making the worst like beats ever. Like thinking like, oh, look at the beats behind the Kardashians. They're so simple. Let's just do those and make 20 grand. Like that's what I really thought I was going to do. And then um, I met a singer and she was being managed by my, manager I have now Cheryl my first manager and made some like pop stuff some like rap stuff as well and then I was like kind of making dance stuff because I loved like I don't know just even like more pop like I loved like obviously Skrillex and stuff but that was so hard to make back then like really it, it's like way easier to make it now because obviously there's been a lot more of it but back then it was like you really had to like I don't know, you just had to try harder. Like, I, it was so hard to try to make a dubstep song to me, so I couldn't do it, and I would just make, like, pop dance tracks because they were way easier. And then... Wait, so what made you move to Miami? My best friend from Haiti, which I wrote the song, Move to Miami. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we wanted to go to FIU, Florida International University, which I actually got accepted to. I wasn't a complete idiot. I never graduated. I did, like, a semester and a half. Maybe... Yeah, I don't even think I did... Oh, no, no, I did a year and a half. So mm -hmm. I did almost three semesters, and by the third one, I just was like, 
nah, I can't do this. Were you studying music or were you? No, I didn't do anything. Oh, you were like, undecided? Honestly, my, my, I never had a major. Like, I had a class called Find My Major. Like, that was an actual <laughs> class. Kind of embarrassing. Because I forget what, you know in, in high school yearbook you say what you think you're going to do? Yeah. Mine was like, uh, not, not physical, what's the one where you end up basically being in a retirement home, like wiping old people's asses, that. <laughs> like, I didn't understand what I picked. I, I was like, oh, I'm too dumb for physical therapy. I'm gonna do occupational therapy. Oh. Which is literally, <laughs> damn, that was a spider web. <laughs> yeah, occupational therapy, which is like, you're just like, I'm, I, I respect people that do that. I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of them, but I could not just do those types of things. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's not for me. Started producing. And then I quit that to go into engineering school. Just be the guy recording vocals and stuff. Yeah. And what, then during what, that is when I started uh, producing. Mm -hmm. What other like career plans did you have if you weren't sure if you were going to do music? No plan B. Were your parents scared? Yeah, everybody was scared. My, not my whole family, but obviously people were like, oh, you should have a plan B. But I'm glad I didn't. And I'll tell you why. Because I think when you have a plan B, you have that safety net, you end up doing it. 90% of the time yeah. I, I can't see why if you even have a plan B it means you're probably going to end up doing it like I get it it's safe but like it's okay to not have a plan B fail mess up just have plan A's I don't know I, that's the only way I think of it because like if you have something else it's like I don't, I, I don't know if it's like mental but like when you're focused on one thing at one time like you'll do anything just to get it because you kind of have to so I feel like that helped in a, in a way. You're releasing stuff under your own name originally. Yeah, Ricky with your Mears. friends, yeah. Um, that was pretty much just me. I made like a lot of like melodic dubstep at first. Like I ended up working with Seven Lions a little bit, and like I got in the studio with Above and Beyond, which is really cool. Cause you for Above and Beyond, you won the, the yeah I won a remix yeah. competition, and, and then. then Seven Lions, he used your he played out your song, or how did you meet him? We we ended up. I, I did a remix for him at first, and then we both did a VIP together, like, of his song, where we both, uh, like, it was me and him remixing his song, I guess, some kind of VIP. Yeah. Um, and then... And then they were just in Miami and hit you up, or how did you... Never, I never even, I mean, I met Seven Lions at his shows and stuff, I still, I, you know, we, we used to... Like send me now. I don't really play as much of that music. I should probably, I should probably honestly hit him back up at this point. Like it, it would be fun to do. Yeah. A nitty gritty seven lines. Thing. Oh my god. Yeah. Huge. I think and plus it's better. I feel like at a better production level. Like back then I was like catching up. Like damn, how does he do this? Now I'm like way more comfortable. Like oh yeah, I could keep up. We could, you know, more collaborative. I guess. Yeah. I feel more comfortable in my like production skills mm -hmm. and it was it was shocking to you back then to get those too right oh that's huge yeah. I mean that was I was like I remember like the seven because he, he's like my idol of that I mean I guess right now it's like Elenium is like the big melodic guy yeah. but like back then it was really just seven lions like he was the only melodic dubstep guy that I remember um so that I was like holy shit I can't believe I just got this so yeah that was exciting mm -hmm. were you working other jobs while you were still doing this then or you were still in school this time? The only thing I did was pretty much in music. I was like a glorified assistant for two different uh, DJs type producer guys where I would basically just do whatever they needed and then kind of almost ghost producing as well. Like 
I, you could say co-producing, but some of them was definitely ghost producing. And then, which was good, I'm not even mad at, ghost producing has done a lot for my career. It made me realize what not to do, how to make good music, how to like make money off of other people. I don't know, it's like it's like a, still a good business move, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and you already had a team to place it with these other producers, or how were you getting your tracks to them? No, that was just local. That was me and my, my, my manager, Cheryl. Um, there was just kind of local people that she had connections to or oh. that I met. Um, yeah, this because this was all before Nitty Gritty. So that was just kind of like my weird in-between spot of like, okay, I'm getting good at producing, but where do we go with it, I guess? Mm -hmm. um, and then with Nitty Gritty, that's the name you came up with for Bunny and, uh, with Bunny and Clyde. So you, oh, because they're also from Florida, right? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. You, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> and then... Uh, that's how I met my manager, Paul, is before that. Right before that, he was like, yo, I love all your stuff. You make every kind of music, but we should, like, funnel it into a brand and, like, make a... And, you know, I, I kind of wanted to do... Once I did all the melodic stuff, it was, like... It's kind of insane, like, not... I always feel, like, kind of, like, funny about it, but, like, I was, like, just doing well in melodic dubstep, and I felt like it died. And then... Because even Seven Lines mm -hmm. just started doing house music. Like, Seven Lines only did, like, melodic dubstep a lot. And then he completely switched to house and Psytrance. And then there wasn't really anyone doing melodic dubstep. And I was like, damn, if he's not doing it, what do I do? So then we just started making bangers, which was really fun for me. Because I've been doing so much melodic stuff that it was, like, fun. And then now that it's, like, come back, I'm like, wow, isn't that insane how I like, came back? And now I feel like I've been, like, working on a lot more like actual that stuff. Mm -hmm. I have a Rocky P coming out that's oh, um, nice. gonna be like melodic dubstep and like emo rock together. Oh my god, I'm excited. So like, I have one with William Black. Um, he's like another cool melodic guy. I think the one with Sullivan King, that one's like metal though, so I don't know if it'll be on that project or if we just release that one. Mm -hmm. That could be sick. And what I thought was interesting in your previous interview that you wanted to spend like as much time on music as like social media and having this persona. I mean, it's, way. yeah, because even, like, this week, like, during, uh, I had a trip to Hawaii, um, I, I, like, I posted a picture where, like, my phone time was, like, down, like, five hours, oh, yeah, I, I was, like, because sometimes, like, like I'll, I'm good on social media, but then sometimes I just, like, forget, because I'm, like, just doing other stuff, and I'm, like, I get worried, I'm, like, oh, damn, I'm not keeping up, oh, look at this person, they got so many likes this week, and I'm just, like, there's pl I have my rest of my career to get likes and get followers. I don't know. I just, I got so trapped into it for a little bit because I had to, to build my brand. Yeah. That now I'm at a level where I'm like, all right, let me just not overdo it because it's just going to get bigger anyways. There's no point to like, I don't know, like overdo it with that. Because if you're not, people, I think a lot of people, their brands get so big, then they start sucking at music. I don't mean that in a mean way, but like. Yeah. It's just natural because they start falling behind and I, I never want that. I always want to be the person like that's like catching on to the new stuff quickly. Like like if Rhythm back in the day was starting to get big, I was like, oh, I'm going to learn how to do this shit and make my own version of it. Or if the next thing is again, melodic dubstep again, I'm like, say no more. I remember how to do it. I'm going to make new. If I don't know, like I never want to be like, oh, my brand's this big and someone goes to the set, they're like, that sounded like all last year's music. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Does like, that give you stress, though, to, like, constantly keep up with the trends? And But I guess you still have your kind of original name and sound, but still, like, needing to keep up with everything. Yeah, no, I completely understand. You're definitely... 
can go the distance with your sound. I just, I, I'm just not the type of producer that ever had one thing, so I can't even rely on that. Mm -hmm. I guess that's good then you're not really pigeonholed, but at the same time, do you ever think it like confuses someone because they're not able to see like you make this or you make that and this is your type of audience? If they do, that's fine. I just don't care because yeah. I feel like I have a way bigger, like, like I just don't, I, I have a bigger box to fit my stuff in. And if it takes longer for people to realize that, that's fine because that's just what I'd rather do. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I think, and, yeah. I don't know, people get scared. I think that's why they end up making everything into one, like, damn, Rhythm's killing it right now. I'm going to be the craziest Rhythm producer. And then they crush it and get to this cap. And it's like, then you're really, I don't know, because certain, certain fans are unforgiving. So that's why I've never even been like, I oh. get it. If someone's like, yeah. oh, he only makes this, he only makes that. There's too much. I can't go to his show. That's fine. I'm not even mad at you. I completely understand. I'm just trying to be making like my sets have my full potential in it which is as many genres i can fit into a set i guess mm -hmm. and then after um like working with above and beyond and seven lines like what was the next step that you were able to get some momentum so like that's where even more me not just making electronic music helped because the next stuff after that was probably working with the marley family so i worked with skip sadella mm -hmm. and steven because they're in miami and we ended up doing uh, original music for Skip and then ironically at that time that was the first time like Diplo reposted one of the remixes I did for Skip Marley and like DM Skip and it was like yo I like this that's dope and Skip showed me he's like yo look he likes to remix blah 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 oh, that's why I met Diplo yeah and then well, what's funny is it isn't because then my, me and my manager emailed him or emailed the label I don't even remember who we emailed and they're like, yeah, that's dope. But we went on Ricky Mir's stuff and it didn't sound anything like that. So like exactly that problem oh. happened. So I was like, oh, damn, that sucks. Whatever. Did you tell him I can do something else? And then just never like really worked out. But it didn't matter. We ended up doing a lot of stuff with um, the Marley's. That was great. I did like a Sandals like national TV ad, which was great. Um, and then what was next? Oh, yeah, I worked with ended up working with DJ Mustard. And like he was trying to do some like remixes, like electronic music stuff. And he still actually does some of that, but we did like the Beyonce 7-Eleven remix I worked on, uh, the Ty Dollar Sign that Diplo produced actually another one. Mm -hmm. So there's so many like random ones that were fit in that we ended up never meeting from. <laughs> and then I think after Mustard was like when I finally started to make Nitty Gritty. And oh, wow. that's kind of then more like the hero bust and nightmare followed me. Okay. And, Kazo and dot com or whatever and then that led to like even more just electronic people because in the beginning it was kind of sporadic random any producer not even electronic music like mustard's basically hip-hop yeah so but I'm, I don't know, I'm glad I had that experience though because like once you work with like pop and like there's just more writing on those records so when I work on electronic music I'm not like I'm not trying to say it's dumbed down but I just have no like I just don't care it's not we're not making millions of dollars from individual songs, really. It's more from touring and, like, giving a good show. Mm -hmm. So, like, I enjoy just making electronic songs and bangers and whatever I'm in the mood to make. Whereas, like, pop, you kind of have to, like... I don't know, there's just, like, certain formulas that you make, then break to make something even crazier, and there's this, like, big artist around that you kind of have to, like, 
appease them. And yeah. There's like a little more stress involved, which I like, but it made like electronic music fun as hell to me because like I just go on Twitter and post a little snippet and people are like freaking Whoa. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll put this one out. Like so that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you say? It's kind of like two worlds to you because like are pop people finding your nitty gritty stuff and wanting to be in a session with you, or do you think it's like pop people are finding the other stuff that you did and realize they want to work with you? I have no idea. Sometimes I don't know, but one of the funny things that is like how I met Mario, um, his, uh, my, my last lawyer who uh, had a almost business manager, she hooked me up with uh, Mario and then he was like, oh, I like some of these songs, like remixes that you did. They were cool. We did a remix for him and he loved it. And then I was like, yo, come to my show at LA. And like, you know, it's the crazy thing about EDM is that you could have 10,000 followers, but play a room of 1,000 people. Yeah. In pop, that doesn't exist. Like, there's no, like, DJs have it pretty easy where they can get on a big show and get a platform very quickly because there's shows meant to just bring people in and they'll like you no matter what. Whereas, like, pop, you just have to be this big and sell out shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, so it's, like, fun for me to be, like, oh, look, Mario, I'm not that big, but check out the show. And then it was a nightmare show, and there was, like, oh, 3,000 yeah. people there. We sang a song together, and then they're, like, oh, shit, this is amazing. And then you get in the studio because of that. So mm -hmm. Actually, speaking of singing, you're already singing, like, back when you started your own project, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Was not it? that good, but <laughs> I try. I can make it sound. I'm really good at making myself sound good, I guess, mm -hmm. through through production. Yeah. I can sing a little bit, but it's more. I think the only thing I'm really like confident in, like, I know I'm good at is rock, alternative, almost like Taking Back Sunday or Coldplay, Death Cab for Cutie area. Like that, I feel comfortable. Like I could sing those things oh, live wow. and feel good. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm like Justin Bieber or anything, but you know that's something I feel like people could listen to. Be like, oh, that's not bad. You know what I mean? Like he can he can kind of hold a tune with that. Mm -hmm. It's not like some R&B or insane like <laughs> high notes, just like vibey yeah. rock music. And how did your uh, song get placed with Pitbull and Enrique Iglesias? So I, I made that song, I, I, the demo somewhere, like I still, I never deleted it because it's like a memento, like I have a private link on SoundCloud that's literally called Move to Miami and like I just literally had a beat the, like pretty much the same beat they used and then only the hook that's literally like she gonna make you move to my like just mm -hmm. that part and um who do we send it to no we never sent it to them so I sent it to Wookie and Wookie was like or I sent it to I sent it to Dylan Francis Dip, I sent it to like as many people as I could to just see what people thought yeah. and people were like yeah it's dope it's just like not it's so Miami like it's hard to like use it I guess so I sent it to Wookie and he's like, dude, my manager knows um, Pitbull's lawyer, which is ended up yeah. how I ended up getting that lawyer. So cool. And he Pit, like immediately like loved it. And then he had it. He bought, he technically bought the song and then I keep my share of it. Yeah. But now he owns the rights, right? Mm -hmm. um, little insider info on the business, which is, it's not wrong. It's not, you can air all this. It's not like bad yeah. public knowledge. So like you can, I can have a song, and I can sell you that song, but so I'm not losing out on the potential. I just buy, I ha, I get a share of the song, so yeah. whatever percent I get of it. Um, so then now he owns it, and he goes and he shows it to Enrique Iglesias, and Enrique's like, oh shit, I want this song. So mm -hmm. Enrique gets it from Pitbull, has Pitbull do a feature. Now it's an Enrique Iglesias song featuring Pitbull, 
that I produced and wrote oh. the book part. So, so that's cool. kind of like the, I guess, story. Yeah. Yeah. And what made you want to be signed to Mad Decent? The publishing, not the label. Okay. So publishing is basically me getting just to work with Diplo and other Mad Decent producers on anything they're working on. So like that's how I did the Bad Bunny song. Um, that one they helped you uh, pitch it? Yeah, like that's yeah. just Wes literally and the A&Rs texting Bad Bunny's so people cool. and be like, yo, we got some beats, check it out. And then they just end up using it, just pure luck. I mean, it's obviously easier if you're of that stature and they have a lot of you know, yeah. huge records. Um, but yeah, it's not really about signing to Mad Decent for Nitty Gritty. It's more like, not that it hasn't benefited me for that, but that's more just like getting good at writing music in general, like mm -hmm. producing for anyone, I guess. Yeah. What's your inspiration behind Four on the Floor? Uh, four on the Floor? <laughs> I don't know. We, me and uh, Shindo were in the car and we were like thinking, we were like playing the, we had like ideas for like that original version and it was like a big room song, like random, wasn't even like confession-y. And then I was trying to think of like lines and I was like, I don't remember, I just remember being like, if you know me, I'm a whore for the four on the floor. And then I was like, oh shit, that's fire. Let me just like finish it. And then just like kind of made the rest of the like phrasing. And then I was like, dude, we need a girl. Cause like, I was just singing it in my head, like if it was a girl. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up doing, I don't know if you know like my stupid Rebecca shit. Like, yeah, I was gonna ask like you girl. about that too. Hold on, I got you. I forgot I brought these with me. <laughs> you have a whole costume? I don't have the, well, she doesn't, this is, she doesn't need a costume. She just had the wig, right, in the music I video? I do have the, the I, I don't have the wig with me. That is like the extra piece, but it really only takes my glasses. <laughs> I'm ready for Rebecca. You yeah. could have had a bad bitch, not committal. <laughs> I need to do a fucking collab with Lizzo. She's the bad bitch. <laughs> Charlie X, yeah. Yeah, no, I can tell you the story. But I literally started saying like, if you know me, I'm a whore. And like Rebecca voice. Yeah. And then low-key, I was like in my head like, damn, I bet you I can make this sound like a girl. So I literally just was sitting, in my, like, honestly, imagine me in my studio, like, in my yeah. boxers, like, if you know me, I'm a whore for the Thor. I'm, like, just, like, continuously getting the perfect, like, girl sounding, <laughs> like, literally I've sent it to people, and they're like, yo, who's that girl? She sounds hot. I'm like, ha. <laughs> like, bro, I got you. You tricked everyone. Yeah, oh my so God. I, I, did the, I did the vocals for that. You can pretty much just do songs with yourself with all your different impersonations. Once I, you know, one time we were writing for, I, I produced for Cardi B back in the day, like, on her, not on her, we almost got one on the album, but that's an annoying story where it got pushed off. Yeah. But the EP before she really like blew up, um, we did a song on there. And I remember we were, ended up writing like demos for her. And that was when I first started doing like, like girl shit where I was like, damn, how am I gonna sound like Cardi B? And I would literally just make beats and just like try to sound like a girl, like dead serious. <laughs> I would just be, I don't even remember. Like I, I definitely, I think I was in the studio with Cruella and they said some like, pussy power phrase or something. I was like, oh my God, can I use that? They're like, yeah. And I was like, bitch, I got that pussy power. Or some, I don't know, some really stupid line. And I remember trying to like send that to them. And I was like, damn, I don't even want to hear that demo. Cause they were probably like, <laughs> what, is what this freaking white kid <laughs> like rapping. Florida. Oh my God. Probably so embarrassing. I don't know. I, don't, I have no shame. Like you'd be surprised what gets placed. Like the Bad Bunny beat to me, like even Wes was like, like Diplo was like, damn, they picked your worst beat. I was like, Sorry, I was like, thanks, dick, like, fine. It, it really only took me, like, an hour, but sometimes those, like, simple yeah. things, like, I don't know, sometimes those simple things just work, so mm -hmm. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> Send whatever. And I'm curious to hear about your Lego collection. How big is it now? 
It's embarrassing. So I have a... kind of want to do a Lego tour. <laughs> I really need... I think... Oh, you know what? Since I started my vlog, then the thing is it's like embarrassing. My room is so small because I live with my manager. I got to wait till I get my own place to like set it up nice because like I have it in two different spots. I have a, a nice like not what's a shelves mm -hmm. where they look good, but there's just not enough shelves for them. So it's literally like lined here, lined on top. And then my whole couch is just full of them. My studio has them. They're on the floor. They're just, it's like, I look like a hoarder. Do you have any like favorite sets or anything? I think my favorite, favorite one, my friend actually um, got me a signed poster of Boba Fett, which is um, in Star Wars, the dude with the green helmet, the bounty hunter. Yeah. And I have like the, the full size Lego, like limited oh, edition. Cool. It was like $250, embarrassing. <laughs> and then he got me a signed poster of it. So like I have the poster and the Lego set. That's like my favorite one. Oh, they need to collab with you. Yeah. They need to do something cool. No, if I could get a Lego collab one day, that's like above like Skrillex. That's like above every, <laughs> like, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Sonny. I still want to work with in, you. Inside is like would be crying if you got that. <laughs> How would you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? I don't know. I'm definitely more comfortable with like myself. Like I just in general, most kids are just more insecure. And then once you like grow up and you at least have some form of like stability in your life, you're just mm -hmm. like, all right, now I'm good. I can do whatever I want and enjoy my life. Like, I don't know, I guess you, there's not much different. I still act like a little immature kid all the time. Just do whatever random stupid shit. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really, I, I don't really take stuff too seriously. It's gonna be, I'd be hard pressed to just have like a normal kind of daily life. Like I just love, I love the lifestyle I have cause I can kind of like bounce. It's the same way I make music, I guess, or even the way I talk. I'm sure this is gonna sound like gibberish, but like just bouncing around a little bit. Like, mm. I like being in LA for a little bit, going home for a little bit, bleh, a little bit, Hawaii. Where are we going after this? We're going to Vegas. I don't know, especially if you want to enjoy it. You could so easily just be on tour and be like, oh, I'm so sick of this. I don't like planes. I don't like blah, blah, blah. But like, if you, if you, I guess like get used to it and try to find like the good part about it, you're going to start enjoying it. Cause if you start focusing on it, like it's a bad thing, you're just going to stay in that mindset. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's the main thing that's changed. I'm just like more happy to be doing whatever I'm doing instead of like, trying to complain all the time about it because humans naturally love to complain like it's insane you know humans can literally get along by complaining about something together yeah, so if you ever nice. think about it like that's basically twitter <laughs> like the, the the most you know why djs are best friends because they're all yelling at united airlines or, or american <laughs> airlines of those tweets. literally <laughs> what would you say have been the biggest challenge in your life so far or challenges i mean I, the most obvious one is when I was like in between quitting school and trying to make money mm -hmm. being a musician, like being a producer. That was rough because like in that time, I remember this one summer I got mono oh, wow. and I got some other sickness right in between. Oh, my appendix got removed. And that was right when I was trying to like work on like, oh. I think a remix for something that I was trying to get paid. Because yeah. I used to go on this site called Freelancer where you would do like random shit, like a little 30 second commercial would pay you like hundred bucks to do a little jingle and I would try to do those like every day like mm -hmm. try to make money I did some uh, country re remixes back in the day that were so bad but they pay me like 2,000 some crazy that's like, so good they are so stupid for doing this like I don't know why they paid me that much money 
Um, but yeah, that was like a rough, and then I got carjacked in Miami. Oh. I lived in, I literally, li have you ever seen the movie 22 Jump Street? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, in like that hood neighborhood where yeah. it's like the Korean church and then all the like, my neighborhood was like that in Miami. Like, oh, wow. like my, that, my next door neighbor was like definitely like cokehead. The downstairs guy was basically homeless. Oh like I remember giving him like money and a Bible and I never saw him again. Like it was like insane. And then I got carjacked there. Then I moved to like also the hood, but nothing happened there. I had crazy roommates. The one girl like let the dog out, it died. They almost got in a fist fight. I had to like yell. I paid one girl like $250 or something to stop arguing. And then my manager like told her all these stories and she's like, yeah, you should just come move with me. So then after I got there in like the oh. suburbs, I was like, all right, let me try to make some money and like make music. Yeah. What does love mean to you? What does, uh, I guess like sacrifice. Mm. It's probably the biggest word. I was just talking about this with someone last night. Yeah, you so came up with it so quick. Yeah, it, was I was pretty, like, it was pretty easy because I literally was just talking about this. <laughs> it's definitely not infatuation that we were talking about. Oh, it's like yeah, it's not. infatuation and love are, are always confused because the infatuation part is like, ooh, I'm excited and warm and bubbly to be around you. Whereas love is like, I hate you. I don't want to see you right now, but I'm going to help you bring in your mm -hmm. groceries and give you a back rub even though I don't even want to see your face right now like, yeah it's kind of opposite but it, it almost is the real thing mm -hmm. last question what do you need to be remembered for uh, I mean definitely my music I, I can't imagine anything else mm -hmm. hopefully my me me enjoying making music yeah me having a good time while making music not just that because you could be a super depressed music. I don't want to be a legend that like had some super sad story because it's it's like honestly hard to watch that yeah. on like TV. Not that they're not legends, but I'd rather it be a happy story, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Thank you.